everybody, and welcome to another episode of Book Goodies, the author series of podcasts. My, I'm your host, Deborah Carney, and I have with me today Addison Town, who is an author and uh, has written a, a pretty fun book. And hi, Addison, how are you doing? I'm well, how are you? I'm doing really great. Uh, by the way, we are recording in New York City, so if you hear strange noises, it's not my fault. <laughs> <laughs> that's a disclaimer. Yeah, that's a disclaimer. The ice cream truck already went by, so we're good on that. Um, <laughs> um, so, Addison, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners and, uh, you know, just let them know who you are and a little bit about yourself. Thank you. Okay, so my name is Addison Town, and I'm the author of Suburban Task Force, a Jade Lydell novel, and it's a fun series, action, adventure, and comedy all combined into one. A little bit about myself, I grew up in Chicago, I'm currently living in Los Angeles, I love all things Girl Power, Janet Vonovich, and the Stephanie Plum series, La Femme Nikita, the original series, and that was really my inspiration for writing this book. That's really cool. I, I really like that. Um, everybody has an inspiration, and to take that inspiration and then do your own take on it is really fun. And I've been interviewing a lot of female authors and um, on some of my other podcasts, a lot of like, you know, strong, successful women. And mm -hmm. I really enjoy uh, doing the podcast with them so that they can spread the word out there to women who may be hesitant to do certain things because you really can and you can balance it with your family. And, it, you know, even if it, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, you can do it. I, I'm a prime example of that, honestly. I was working in television when I started writing this novel. I was pregnant, and I was also launching a brand at the time and traveling around the country, and I still managed to finish this. And I can honestly say that it was inspiring to be so busy. It felt like my brain was constantly working, and that's why it got com completed. That's why it was done is I was being pushed every day. So you were double nesting. You were nesting a baby and you were nesting a novel. Yes, exactly. It was like the baby had to speak. <laughs> nice, nice. And which, which came out first? <laughs> um, <laughs> ironically, truth be told, the baby, it's not the truth, that is the truth. Um, this novel sat in a drawer for about three years. Okay. Part of that was my lack of self-confidence because I understand that the process is never easy. And the second was that I'd seen what had happened to a lot of other authors and how things were edited or changed or just modified. And the, of course, you know, trying to find an agent, trying to find a publisher. And I think this new realm of indie publishing, self-publishing, is really going to open the doors for a lot of authors. I don't claim to be, you know, the best author out there. I'm, I don't claim that my book doesn't need a re-edit or some tightening up. It's the best that I think it can be right now. But I think there's an opportunity for everyone to move into the next generation of what publishing will eventually be. And it's really exciting that you're out there in L.A. and you saw the changes in the music industry probably firsthand. And in the, uh, even in the way television and movies are delivered now. You know, it isn't the big three networks anymore. There's, you know, hundreds of cable and satellite stations. And if something isn't a good fit for 
you know, the big three or the big four, if you want to include Fox, you know, you, you do still have an outlet for your television show or for your, you know, made for TV movie or, or for your independently published book or for your music that's independently done. Absolutely. Um, you're, you're right on the cutting edge out there. Yes, but I also think it's important to know when you get into that, like you said, cutting edge or outside the box thinking with this, that you are not just an author anymore. You are really a marketing machine. That's mm-hmm. what you have to become. As much as you want to be the author, the writer, and that person, that's such a small element of what has to take place to have any success. And I'm fortunate because that was my background. Mm-hmm. But I think that if I was going into this completely novice to that concept, it would be such an intimidating concept. And there is something to be said for having an agent and a publisher behind you. I mean, who doesn't want to have somebody with years of experience telling you what you need to be doing? Well, but what I have found, and part of our series has been um, interviewing people that provide services for authors as well as the authors themselves and just like with uh, music there is now a new industry of uh, people to fill in the gaps yeah so if you instead of you going to a traditional publishing house and handing your baby over to them (laughs) and letting them you know put it in military school and make it the way they want it to be Mm-hmm. Now you can take your uh, written work and your manuscript and you can take it to uh, a bunch of different editors and you decide who gets to edit your book. Mm-hmm. And then you decide who makes the cover art and whether it's appropriate to what you want it to be. Right. And you get to make the decisions that it used to be the publishing house that did it. And maybe you aren't going to make the quote-unquote right decision but you're going to make the right decision for you and I think that's what is really important about independently published authors yes that is very true well and you get to control your content you know no one's going to say that well you wrote this but you know because it's this action-packed book it needs to be following this formula And instead, you get to say, no, this is my formula, and this is how I want my book. It's so interesting you say the formula, because actually, my characters are all happily married. Mm -hmm. And right now, uh, we're working on a screenplay version of it. And it's written very similar to a screenplay with the story arc and whatnot. And they keep wanting to push a conflict between the husband and wife. And I keep having to fight that and say, no. (laughs) There are happily married couples and people in love and everything doesn't have to be about a relationship falling apart or meeting someone or life still happens to those of us that are happy (laughs) and in a marriage, you know, it it does exist. So that was a huge control factor for me that these characters could be strong women and actually happy in their marriage as well. Yeah, nobody's cheating on anybody. 
and yeah. nobody nobody is mad because dinner wasn't on the table at five o'clock and exactly you know nobody is mad that the husband stayed at work until eight when they had made this beautiful romantic dinner and had the kids out to babysitters and everything because you know it doesn't all have to be that way like you said it's you can and your conflict doesn't have to have anything to do with you don't need a billion mini conflicts going on mm-hmm. you know your story um, has its own drive. And, you know, the culmination and the conflict is, is already built in. You don't need to have any more relationship conflict built in. Yes, yes, I agree. There's definitely a lot of conflict happening in Suburban Task Force. <laughs> well, you know, normal, normal, even happy little neighborhoods, there's plenty to, plenty to go around. There's, yes. there's little dramas without having to make up any dramas. You know, right. You you're These not, women are trained in the art of suburbia. <laughs> there you go. It's uh, Wisteria Lane meets Sex in the City. <laughs> yeah, and then add in G.I. Jane and your... G.I. Jane, there we go. Yes, like there's that. a lot of shopping. And I kind of put up on my um, information about the book, I'm definitely a PG-13 book. There's violence and there's real-life stuff that happens. And as much as there is fun and shopping and joking and making light of a situation, it also deals with some pretty hard facts of life. And it just shows that women are strong. Women have the power to make a situation what they want it to be and take control. And and save the day, of course, because at the end of it, women always save the day, right? Yeah, we do. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Behind every behind every successful man is a more more successful woman that pushed him to to save the day. And how (laughs) she cooked dinner for the client, you know, the million dollar client that needed to have some home cooking, and right after she had spent a day shopping shopping and bringing kids back and forth and then came home and all of a sudden had to cook a gourmet meal. We can do all that. Of course. It's called dial the phone. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say it's called takeout. <laughs> <laughs> You're in LA. You can you can you can get gourmet food delivered at the yeah. drop of a hat. Fresh to order. Fresh exactly. to order. Nice. So tell us about your now you said you were writing while you were working and while you were traveling and while you were pregnant. How did how did you fit all that in? How you know what was like? Take us through a typical day when you were trying to to get this done. Well, I had the advantage of while I was working, there was some downtime. One of the things people who work in production know is we are blessed with lots of downtime. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I had the opportunity to really schedule myself to some degree that every day I would get some writing in and whether it was stuff that was good or got tossed later, it didn't matter. I, I truly believe what I've read over and over is that you have to dedicate yourself to just writing every day. And even if it's not something that ends up being in the book, it's still an idea. And I used to write things and every once in a while I'd just throw it out and be like, it's horrible. And now, thank goodness for the computer because I kick myself because while it might not have been a good fit for this story, it would be a great inspiration or idea for another story. So luckily now all of that is saved. <laughs> yes. Yes. My son was a writer and he, uh, he looked at me one day and he said, mom, I have to finish these projects, but I keep getting all these other ideas. What should I do with them? Should I just push them away and plunge mm-hmm. through with my current project? Or, you know, should I put down something? Should I start the other project? And I said pretty much what you just said. I said, take them and put them in a notepad. 
mm-hmm. you know, just make a file on your computer and, you know, make a new folder for new ideas and just write enough. Don't write the complete thought, but write enough in there to remind you what you were going to do. Mm-hmm. And then that way, when you go back and read it, you know, if you finish a complete sentence or you, you do a complete paragraph, sometimes you don't remember where you were going to go after that. Right. So, but if you stop in mid thought, then when you go back and read it, you're like, oh, and I was going to do this. And it helps to trigger the whole memory. And that worked out really well for him. So um, that is a good tip for writers that if something's niggling at your brain and wants to come out, let it come out, but put it aside and don't necessarily throw it away. It might come in handy later. Absolutely. I'm working on those sequels now. And while I'm doing them, much to what you're just talking about, I found myself writing a different almost essays, if you will, about other items that have just popped into my mind. And I realized, it's great. Write the essays. Maybe there's an essay book that comes out, just kind of funny things that happen. You never yeah. know what it's going to become. So definitely don't ignore it. Don't yeah. ignore it. All right. So you found a little time each day to write, and that was really important. And then you went back to, you know, were there was there a time that you took where you just concentrated fully on the book, or were you... Was it pretty much always um, just in between here and there? It was in between here and there. And then after I had my son, I was home for three months. And as you know, babies sleep a lot as well. And it was my first, so I didn't have anybody else to take care of. And (laughs) I was able to focus on just that for, obviously, the nap period. So... There was a lot of focus on just finishing it. And I was very fortunate this book came easily to me. It was something that was in my head. I was able to put it down on paper. The dialogue felt natural. The characters felt real to me. And so it wasn't a real struggle. And the book is light. And when I say light, I don't mean the the action and violence. I mean, it, it's not a deep thinker kind of book. Okay. So... It, it was just fun to write, and I was laughing while I was writing it and having fun doing it, so it made it that much easier, and I would say it was finished quite quickly. That's really great, because for you to be able to, uh, you know, I mean, so many people are, like, worried that, you know, their book doesn't have enough depth, or it doesn't have enough this, or it doesn't have enough that. Just let the book tell its story itself, and if you're laughing, you're writing something that you would enjoy reading. Right. Well, and I think that... There was, there's always this talk, if you're dealing with a, a publishing house, about the length that mm-hmm. a book needs to be, or a novella. And I find the, the good beach reads, pool reads, and whatnot, they're shorter. People just want something they can finish in a day or two, have fun with it, and move on. Because we're big readers, and we like to do as much of it as we can. And then every once in a while we pick up those five or 600-page books and we really dive into those. But that's a whole different experience. And my book is shorter. It definitely is on the uh, shorter side. And, and I was okay with that. And I found a lot of the agents or publishers were worried about the length. You know, and that's exactly why a friend of mine didn't write a book for a publisher because the publisher wanted it to be X number of words. And he said, it isn't going to take me that many words to tell this. And the publisher was like, all right, well, then you have to fill it. And he's like, I'm right. not going to write junk and filler. The people, that, the audience that this is intended for are people that want to know what they need to know. It was a nonfiction book. They want to know what they need to know 
how to fix it, and move on. And um, I think that partially because of e-readers and the ease of being able to take your entire book collection with you wherever you go, you are entirely right that, you know, we're sitting in the doctor's office. We want something to read. We don't Mm -hmm. want it to be so deep that now, you know, you, you can't read enough of it to be fulfilled. You know, you want to be able to read a few chapters and then be happy that, you know, when you go home, you can go out, sit outside and read a few more chapters, go to the beach, finish the whole thing off, and you're not feeling overwhelmed that, oh, my God, I, can't, I couldn't remember what happened when I read at the doctor's because it's so complex that I have to go back and reread it. That's a good example, actually, yeah. Yeah, this comes from a person who, in New York City, the average wait at a doctor's office is three hours. So Wow. See, you can finish my book. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So I'll be one of those people going to download it because you told me it's a nice, easy read, and, and I'll be able to take... You know, I'm, I started reading The Help, and it's a wonderful book, but I can't get through it because I can only read in 15 to 20-minute chunks or when I'm at the doctor's for three hours, and then, you know, I, yeah. I, I want to enjoy that book, and I don't want to, um, I, I don't want to get lost, you know, like I started it two months ago, and now I'm into chapter two, <laughs> exactly. or section two, or whatever you want to call it, so, um, yeah, so you, um, you have managed to take some of the things that people would say are difficult times that they would just stand around chatting and having coffee or, you know, after those three months after you have your baby, you must really be a type A because most people I know, as soon as the baby takes a nap, they take a nap. So, you know, it's like there's no writing. (laughs) I felt like that was just my freedom to express. And since I was somewhat homebound because I'm not type A and I'm not that cool mom who managed to get like showered and ready and able to leave the house. That was my escapism for the day (laughs) was having these three amazing women go and kick some butt, you know, and, and do it in their Jimmy choos and have fun, you know? (laughs) I like it. (laughs) The more I talk to you, the more I like the book and I'm not into like chick books, but I like, chicks that are in charge books. <laughs> it's funny because I I heard from somebody that they started the book and they thought it was just going to be about Beverly Hills and shopping and and admittedly the book takes a dramatic turn after the first 40 pages. You really do go from this suburban experience into a complete action adventure. And I think for a lot of people they're not expecting it to be that definitive and it doesn't really wrap back around to the shopping. It's it's more, this is what is actually happening real time to these women. And mm-hmm. that's also a different way to tell a story, I think. It, it is totally a different way to tell a story. And <laughs> you tricked them. <laughs> you tricked people into reading your book because they got the fluff at the beginning and then boom. But, you know, at at the heart of it, these are still those women. So you can still relate to these characters because everybody has a friend that's one of these characters at at some level, at some degree. You have a friend who is into fashion, sure, but you also have the friend that is worried about, you know, are my kids going to be okay or, you know, the basics of life. So you can still relate. Well, and I want to go back to your point about your writing being your release I'm a professional photographer, and oh. when I go on vacation, it's a working vacation. I don't right. care where I go. It's a working right. vacation because I love photography so much 
that, you know, people will be, put your camera down, relax. And I'm like, no, this is my relaxation. <laughs> you know, capturing beautiful photographs or, you know, just photographs of interesting things. Or uh, my, my friends like to say that I photograph rocks because I love anything that is in the red rock type of oh, yeah. category you know i love colorful mountains and, and and bare rock mountains as opposed to where i grew up on the east coast where everything is green and yeah. um they just say well all you do is photograph rocks and i'm like yeah but they're my photos of rocks that i like <laughs> and, and that's important yeah. I, I love that i'm an incredibly visual person that is my background be it directing or producing or also branding an item that's all very visual and so when I was writing I was literally picturing every scene down to the detail mm -hmm. however unlike a lot of books I tried to not have it be about the minutiae the, the the very little things like he picked up this color object and you know 50 different explanations as to that object because yeah. It really was breaking up the action for me. Right. Which is why my book is shorter. <laughs> yeah. But to wrap back around to what you were saying is uh, the release is, is that medium that appeals to you, whether it's the visual or, you know, the writing or whatever. Maybe you go out and you swim. I mean, everybody has something that makes them feel better at the end of the day. Yeah. And whether you're tired or not and whether you're, you know, people think that this is what you should be doing or not. It's what you do, and it's what you do to relax. Now, um, let's talk a little bit about, I kind of think we touched on it a little bit, but how did you decide to go the indie publishing route? Well, after I took my book back out of the drawer because, like many, life got in the way, and I started working again and with the baby and everything, and there just wasn't a lot of time to dedicate to sending out all the materials you need to. Um, I did a couple agent queries. I got some good feedback. I heard from some larger publishers, which was exciting. I'd read a lot online about, we talked about this earlier, the cover art. And again, I'm a creative person. I like to have fun. So actually, the cover design is mine. Mm -hmm. And um, that was not my first design. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the nice things about um, e-publishing is that you can change that as you go. Uh, I think that as the process grew and I started getting different kinds of feedback, because I'd already been sitting on my book, the idea of maybe waiting to get an agent and then having it published, we were talking another year and a half if I was lucky. Yep. And my material is not specific to a certain date, but I felt like the time, it would just be wasted time. And until I can move away from that first, I didn't feel like I could work on the next of the series, which right. is something every writer will tell you is not the thing to do. As soon as you finish your book, you should just start writing the next one. Um, and I agree with that, and I wish I could go back in time. But I, I did a lot of reading about online. I also have a Kindle, and I have my iPad, and I was really getting into it, and I started reading about some other large authors that were turning down, you know, $500,000 advances because they could do better online, Yeah, and, and I did a lot of research, and I just thought it was the medium for me. I just thought it was the way to go, and I'm very fortunate. It's been 
for me to date, pretty successful. I, I feel very fortunate. It just came out. I just actually published it May nineteenth, so okay. it's been it's been a short window. But in that time, I already had people wanting to do screenplays. The feedback has been great, and I have a lot of fans. I feel very, very, very lucky. Well, and part of what you just said is you have a platform already. And you didn't realize it until you put the book out there that your own brand um, able, you know, enabled you to probably get some, a kickstart that other women or other authors may not uh, may not have. And that's something that they they need to think about. Like you said, you know, the the book was in the drawer. As soon as you pulled it back out, you needed to build a platform for it so that, especially if you knew it was going to be a series. You need to have a platform out there where your fans can find you and sign up to get your updates and, you know, be able to know what's going on and, you know, where you can put stories about the characters or, or whatever. And um, it sounds like you already had a, a big group of people that were already, you know, know who you are and were uh, awaiting the book. And then because it was good, they were able to spread the word about it. I wish that was all true. <laughs> that sounded so awesome, Deborah. <laughs> you it's know, what we can all dream. Yeah, isn't it kind of that thing? Like, I can help you, but I can't help myself. Um, I can help you launch your product and make sure that you have all of your social media and your website and everything in place. But mine is still an absolute mess. No, I I agree with you. There there does need to be the platform. You need to have those things ready to go. And you need to be constantly working on them. That's the other thing is I definitely need to improve my website. I didn't expect to have a fan base very quickly. I I had read so much about other authors, and I'm not in any way gloating, who took a, a lot of time to ramp up to get the kind of sales and the reactions. And it might happen quickly, and I wasn't really ready for it, to be mm -hmm. honest. So I'm trying to play catch-up and um, don't look at my website yet. <laughs> Oh, and, come on. <laughs> and, um, and I'm learning about Twitter. It's so funny. I am like completely out of the loop on this whole Twitter thing. It's like I feel like Facebook, I got a handle on that. And then I kind of ignored Twitter. And lo and behold, it's like the force to be reckoned with. So yeah. I'm learning about Twitter now, too. I need to take a course. How's that <laughs> Funny. They're literally Twitter courses. I will I, I will teach you how to use Twitter if you will send me a copy of your book. <laughs> uh, done, done, and then some done. Um, what's really interesting with Twitter um, is that through all the podcasts I've been doing, all the interviews I've been doing with, um, you know, I'm up to around, you know, I think you're my 91st uh, podcast with an author. Um, through all the authors I've talked to, there is a there is this dividing line. And it's like either they love it or they hate it. And the ones that hate it follow it up by saying, how can you expect a writer to say anything in 140 characters? And the ones who love it say, oh, my God, I have conversations with people every day and they get to know me. And then when I announce that I have a book ready, they go buy it. Yeah. So it's the difference between, you know, a promotional only Twitter account and a, hey, get to know me. And right. then buy my book, and then, you know, after you, you know, it's not always the links to the blog posts. It's just right. a, you know, hey, what did you think about this scene in the book, you know, where so-and-so kicked so-and-so's butt, 
Was that mm-hmm. realistic to you? Did you identify with her? And then people will come back at you with messages and say, you know, yes, it was great, or I wish I could do that, or and it's a way. It's it's Facebook only faster and shorter sentences. Right, and yet you're supposed to be home writing, and that's the problem. <laughs> I don't know. I, I definitely, there are boundaries with that. You cannot use it as a promotional-only tool. And then at the same time, I think my last tweet was something about how I try to drink wine for health purposes, but it always turns into three glasses and a bowl of M&Ms. You know, nothing redeeming whatsoever about no, putting but that's fine. That's into a, the air. Exactly. Those are the ones that get retweeted. You know, it's... Yeah. Uh, and and it's because you're being human, you're being real, and you're allowing your audience and your friends to connect with you on that level instead of it just being untouchable. Mm-hmm. I say that I'm such a huge Janet Ivanovich fan, and yet, you know, occasionally she'll throw a tweet out at you, but she's she's so big, she's untouchable. So, right. um, but I love her. I love it. I, I'm I'm just a huge fan. And, um, and you'll def- follow whatever she does. <laughs> to some extent, yeah. You know, pretty much you'll at least know what's going on and you'll keep up with her. So, yeah, there's some Twitter techniques that I can um, definitely enlighten you about. And maybe what we'll do is a podcast on how to use Twitter as an author. And I think definitely you should 100% offer that. And maybe even different levels of it. Yep. The beginner author Twitter or or how do you the Twitter Twitter. Twitter. See, I don't even know the good terminology for it. And, you know, the the person who's trying to take it to the next step and, and get more followers or whatnot. That sounds awesome. I'll sign up. Sign okay. me up right now. Okay. I'm writing it down, so keep talking. Okay. <laughs> I'll talk in short tweets. There you go. Um, and it is really hard for writers that write long, in-depth prose, or even those who write poetry, to right. be able to get a thought, you know, finished in that short of a time period. But you can, you know, if you're if you have fans, you can do uh, like a three-part or two-part tweet, and all it all it requires is dot 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 pt one, and PT. then you know pt two. But, again, there you're taking away five of your 140 characters, so now you've only got 135 left. <laughs> it's, it's an art form. It is, it is an art form. And for those that embrace it, um, like I said, there are authors that, like, they enjoy their Twitter followers so much. But there's a way to time manage it, too. Right. So um, that's, sure. that's the important thing because um, you can get sucked into it really quickly. Um, it's like the old – it's like uh, – Back in the day when... It's like Facebook used to be when you were excited about Facebook. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And back in the day, it was really um, common to, uh, in order to get backlinks to your website, you would go to uh, people's blogs and you would leave comments. Well, the problem with people that were doing this the right way is that it would suck hours out of your day because once you found blogs that were on the topic that you wanted to post a comment on... You ended up reading and reading and reading and reading and writing long responses and, you know, finding all these great blogs that all of a sudden you wanted to follow. And the next thing you know, your whole day is gone. And, you know, you can get that way on Twitter if you start finding interesting people and you follow those people and you follow the people that are following them. And then, boom, 
you know, it's all this big, huge time sink. So, um, yeah, there's ways to manage it. We'll do, we'll do a Twitter course. It sounds awesome. I'm definitely the author that's breaking the rule about the blog also. I just have not, and I know everybody tells me I need to do it. Uh, I'm not the blogger and I need to do it. But at the same time, I think my priority for me right now is going to be getting the sequel out because if you're self-published, if you're the indie publisher, your priority is sales as much as it is your marketing. And the way to get more sales is to have more books. It's just yep. it's plain and simple math. So I kind of have to choose my my poison. <laughs> yeah. Well, and you said way back at the beginning of the podcast, you said, you know, uh, writing the book is one part. Marketing the book is a whole bigger part. Yeah. And uh, you need to, sometimes you need to reach out for help for that. And again, there's all these little boutique businesses that are starting up that can help with the marketing part and can help with the PR part. Even though there are those of us who think we can do it all ourselves, you have to learn to let go of certain things to uh, outsource them so that you can capitalize while, like you said, you're working on the next book. You and know. I think it's great. We're really creating and building an entire new industry that was many what many people thought was a dying industry. Here yeah. we were talking about, you know, books and newspapers and magazines and being on the television side, you know, it was just part of a dying breed and now we're revamping that. We're changing the future of it. And what's really exciting about that is that the um the big publishing houses are you know, they, they work the way they work and they're realizing that the way they work isn't working. And hopefully they're looking toward the music industry to see the changes that they made, the good changes that they made, so that they can start to embrace more of the indie publishing and start offering uh, more of a service-based, you know, maybe maybe people can't get the big advances anymore, but they're getting more from the service side, you know. Right. Um from what I've been told, when you approach a publishing house now, uh, one of the bigger houses, unless you're already a, a household name, they want to know what you're going to bring to the marketing platform yourself. Absolutely. So if you have to do that for them, you know, I'd rather it. get do a bigger it. royalty. <laughs> yeah, do it. Do it for myself and make more money. Yeah, um, but and that's it. what it comes down to. Their royalty base is is a little off kilter, I think. Yep. And they have to learn that if the author is going to do more work, the author wants to make more money. And they have to adjust that in their own minds. And speaking of building an industry, I my main job is, you know, quote unquote job, because it's something I, I enjoy doing very much, is uh, internet marketing and affiliate marketing. It did not exist in 1995. Right. You know, I mean, because in 1994... The internet was green type on black space. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It wasn't until 1995 that we had this graphical interface that we now call the World Wide Web. Mm -hmm. Um, And I make my living and all my friends make their living based on internet marketing and affiliate marketing. And now, because we were the pioneers, and still it's a young industry, there's still a lot of pioneers, we're going out and writing books about it. Because the people coming in now are the people that need to know what we already learned in the past 15 years. Right. And, you know, it's a brand new industry. It's the same thing with with publishing now. The big houses are still doing what they do, but now... You need independent editors. And all those editors that lost their jobs at the big houses. 
Right. You know, all those people now are going freelance. And, you know, you can dig around on the Internet and you can find some really good people to work with. And if you find someone you don't like, move on. There's, right. there's, there's somebody else. You're absolutely right. So, well, um, all right. So you use social. How do you use your Facebook page? You said you've got Facebook pretty well under control. Well, for myself. <laughs> um, no, I... I'm definitely going to be purchasing your books and calling you and hounding you for all of your information until the end of time. So, <laughs> That's not the point of the podcast. Need to be your number one stalker. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, my Facebook page is, um, like I said, I can help other people and tell them what they need to do and how to be prepared. And then there's your world, which is, I, I have. Not really. Uh, about the furthest I've come along on that is linking my Twitter account to it, which tells you a lot, I think, about where I'm at with my Facebook page. Okay. But at yeah. least there's some content there and there's some pictures and yes. I'm getting there. I'm <laughs> getting there. <laughs> I really... It, you're you're I, one of the people that needs to hear the interviews with the social media people. I absolutely. Get it. That's fine. I know what I'm supposed to be doing and at the same time... Like I said, I've been torn between, you know, completing the next in the series and getting out there. And then exactly that whole Twitter thing was quite addictive. So I got a little bit wrapped up in that. And a week later, I came out of my cocoon and I was like, oh, hello, world. Now let me get back to what I was supposed to be doing. There was a lot of Chinese takeout that week. You know? a I'm, lot not, of- I, I'm not cooking tonight, honey. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's heard that a lot lately. So, Well, and... I think that you're an inspiration for those women who um, do like to... Uh, women multitask much better than men do, I think. And, it's true. It's true. And, and I, I think that's why a lot of women authors are able to get some stuff out there where men, you know, they, they have to close the door to the office and nobody can bother them. And in the meantime, you're sitting there next to a bassinet with a sleeping baby holding a bottle in its mouth where you're typing with the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you just get it done when you can get it done. And writing is, uh, like you said, it's, it can be such a release for some people. And some of the authors I've spoken to um, have used it as a, I'm starting to talk to people who are doing memoirs. And yeah. they use it as a personal catharsis and a personal release to be able to get through parts of their lives that they can't get their they really have to write about it and they felt they feel compelled and again they have to be indie published because they're not talking about the politically correct things and right. you know the the things that the big houses can can jump on and um, you know one one memoir I, uh, an author I spoke to earlier today is writing the memoir of being in uh, Afghanistan and in Iraq and it's not a pretty book but it's a realistic book and it's not tainted by the news media or you know we can you can say this but not that and right. I'm looking forward to I'm not a big violence person but you know to hear a personal story like that yeah you'll you'll reach out and read it even though you know it's got stuff in it that isn't quite PG-13 right but, um, sounds interesting it's it, there's just room in the marketplace for all of us and um, what what in what in uh, advice would you give to someone who is got that book that's sitting in the drawer for three years and they're thinking about pulling it out and working on it? I would say use your friends and family. 
as a sounding board because at least for myself in my head there'd be that day where I thought wow this is really great and then the next day where I'd be like this is definitely going in the garbage so it was one of those things where I was able to give it to friends and family and uh, I have a very nice and critical family which (laughs) is good yes and honest you know I always joke if you really want to know how you look in something you just ask any of them they'll tell you um and they liked it and they thought it was funny and they told me the parts that didn't work for them and I was able to work through those and I had some real honest feedback and I knew I had something so that would be my first advice is if you're sitting on something just put it out there because you never know if you don't take the leap everybody always says that every cliche I ever heard you know like your kids grow up too fast and you wanted that person to never speak to again for saying that yeah yeah I know well it's true so all those cliches like take the first leap go for it you know you have nothing to lose all of them are pretty much true well and like you said about the e-platform you can always change something after you put it up and if you're not, you know, it's the old lottery saying now, if you're not in it, you can't win it. If you don't put yourself out there, you don't know if, you're, if you've got a hit or not until people can actually get out there and read it. And, you know, you'll never have a hit if it's sitting in your drawer. And you're right. And this, the people will tell you. I mean, that's the, immediate, the immediacy of it is mm-hmm. you will know, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Rather quickly, if your overwhelming response is, uh, you know, a certain amount of reviews versus another. So, I mean, and, and then there's just that reality is that you cannot please everybody. I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have such variables in life. I mean, what fun would that be? Right. You can't like everything. And so you will find your genre, your niche, and the people who like you. And every fad or every popular thing that ever takes off it didn't start out having a huge following it grew slowly yeah jk rowling wasn't famous when she started you know harry potter and stephen king he got rejected by folks and they they didn't just all of a sudden pop out of nowhere i mean they didn't they did pop out of nowhere they had been already building for like you know five or ten years before they suddenly were famous you look at not just authors, like they say Disney, didn't he pitch it like 380 times? I look at some of these beverages that now you look down the aisle and you can't remember when they didn't exist and you think, oh, they success overnight. No, they've been around for 12 years. You just never paid attention to them, you know? Yeah. So success is not overnight and um, I'd say just go for it. I feel better knowing I went for it. If anybody needs to be happy at the end of the day, it's you. It's all that matters. Yep. And that I think that's pretty much you just wrapped it up. <laughs> um, so where can people find you on the Internet if they can't find you on your website yet? <laughs> you can find me on my website, <laughs> um, but you can find me on Amazon.com. And it's Suburban Task Force by Addison Town. It's only two ninety nine, less than a latte and less fattening as well. Nice. Yeah, and I'm also part of the Kindle Book Lending Club, so for all of you Prime members out there, we can lend away. Yep, borrow the book and read it, and and then and then you'll like it so much you'll buy it too. <laughs> I hope so, because actually, and I didn't even bring this up, but and that's 
just going to show my horrible marketing, but a portion of the proceeds does go to work with domestic violence shelters and women and children because I think it's such a under-discussed topic and I really, although I have a ton of violence and action in my book, it sounds like the opposite of what it should be, but at the end of the day, this is about women and making sure that women are safe and sound. Yeah, you are a bad marketer. We should have brought that up 10 minutes ago. Yeah, I know. <laughs> this is absolutely horrible. But I don't want it to all be about that because I think a lot of people, no, I know. again, having that topic is such a sensitive topic. So it's not discussed in the book, and I don't necessarily need it to be everything about that. I want people to have fun, but I want them to know that they're still doing something good when they're purchasing the book. Awesome. That's perfect. And for those of you who are listening on iTunes or on uh, another podcatcher and you're not hearing, you're not live on our website right now, please take a hop on over to bookgoodies.com once you get back to your computer, B-O-O-K-G-O-O-D-I-E-S.com. And uh, take a search for Addison and you will find the podcast and there will be links there to um, her Facebook and her Twitter and, and um, her books, and we're gonna, we're gonna make her have the Facebook and Twitter ready. And uh, we also have a, a form at the top of the page. There's a contact us form with several That's options. Right. You can contact us to be a guest or to suggest a topic that you would like us to cover. And, you know, let me know if you want to hear another author, you know, if you want to hear an author another time and, you know, we'll twist their arm and make them come back on the podcast. Um, Also, there is a place where you can tell us about your book that that you've written that's available. And if it is on KDP Select, you can tell us when you're going to have your book offered for free and we'll get that all up on our website as well. So, and you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest, all at slash book goodies. And we want to thank everybody for listening. I want to thank Addison so much for being on the show. Thank and you. Uh, I want everybody out there to pick up your, uh, I was going to say pick up your pen and start writing. <laughs> uh, for those of you who still do pen to paper, I still do a little pen to paper. Uh, but, you know, however your medium is, typing or whatever, uh, get out there, get writing, get your story told, and have a great day. Thank you. Bye.